following is a set of three devotions that were preached at Good News Lutheran Church in Mount Horeb, Wisconsin on December 27, 2020. They were preached on the basis of the three assigned readings for that day from 1 Kings 8, Colossians 3, and Luke 2. For more information or to view our entire sermon library, visit goodnewslc.org. Thank you for listening. I think you would agree that this past year has changed the way a lot of things in our life are done. I think you might also agree that this past year has revealed the way a lot of things in our lives are done best. We have found out that we can do just about anything in life virtually, but we've also found out that that doesn't necessarily mean that we should. From shopping to school to meetings, to doctor's appointments, to happy hours with friends and holiday gatherings with family. We've found out that some things can be done just as well online, whereas some things are better done in person. So what about church? It's been interesting for me to think about that over the course of the past year and to to sort of watch as different opinions have made themselves evident. Plenty of people were eager to get back to church as soon as they could, as soon as churches opened their doors. Obviously, plenty of people are still worshiping online. Plenty of churches were eager to open their doors as soon as they possibly could. Some still have not. According to some people, what we really need is to get back as soon as possible to the way that things were as churches, whereas other people would say that the way churches carry out their work will never be the same again. So which is it? Well, today we're going to spend some time with each of today's three assigned readings to answer that important question. And yet before we do, I want to say some things right from the very outset. First of all, I am very thankful for the blessings that technology has brought us during the course of the past year. This year has forced us as a church to do things that we weren't doing before, and those things have enabled us to reach people with the good news of Jesus that we weren't reaching before, and that, of course, is a tremendous blessing. I would also say that even as we can perhaps sit here and talk about what might be ideal and what might be best, we also need to be very quick to recognize that sometimes what is ideal and best isn't necessarily wisest in all circumstances. In other words, we might willingly choose to settle for what is less than ideal temporarily. For example, just this past week, millions, possibly billions of people all over the globe chose not to celebrate Christmas with their family in person. Instead, they FaceTimed or Zoomed. And I would be willing to bet that of those billions of people who chose to celebrate Christmas that way, exactly zero of them think that it was the same or just as good. They decided to do something that was less than ideal temporarily because of our current circumstances. Now, of course, different people might have different opinions about what exactly warrants that and how long something like that should last, but at the very least, we can recognize that just because someone is doing something a certain way doesn't necessarily mean they believe it to be the best way to do it permanently. Now, all of that being said, it is also good for us to remember from time to time what is ideal and what is best 
Even if we're going to settle for less than that, we need to remember what we are losing and what we are giving up. And as much as technology has been a wonderful blessing during the course of the past year, I can also safely say that technology has not somehow revolutionized the work that God wants to do in our world. God's work was not somehow hindered before there was Wi-Fi. At the same time, I can also safely say that the events of this past year did not take God by surprise. 2020 didn't catch God napping. The pandemic did not reveal some fatal flaw in God's strategy for his church. It did not change the work that God wants to do in our world or the way in which he wants to do it. And that's what we're going to see in each of these three readings today. We're going to see that God wants us to know his address. He wants us to know exactly where we can find him. Only it's not an email address and it's not an IP address. As we look at these readings, we're going to see that God has always had and will always have a physical address. So I don't know about you, but it seemed as though the UPS trucks and the FedEx trucks and the Amazon trucks and the postal service trucks were everywhere this year. Shopping seems to be one of those things that it seems we can do just about as well online as we can do in person. That assumes, of course, that you either know or can figure out for yourself what you need. In contrast, as, as some of you know, this past Christmas, just a couple of weeks ago, in fact, our family got a new puppy in the house. And as first-time pet owners, Lindsay and I quickly found out just how clueless we are. Well, thankfully, Lindsay went to PetSmart the other day, buying some things that she did know she needed. But while she was there, she met an employee who was just a total dog lover and was thrilled at the opportunity to share her entire wealth of information about owning dogs to this obvious newbie that she was standing in front of. Now, unfortunately, that resulted in some additional purchases, as you might imagine. But my point is simply that I don't think Lindsay would have had the same experience had she gone shopping online. And that's why what you heard happen in this reading from 1 Kings chapter 8 happened. Solomon had just finished building a house for God, a house that was made of wood and stone. And when he was finished with that house, what did God do? Did he fill that building with all of the wonderful blessings that he wanted to give his people so they could walk up and down the aisles so that they could browse through the shelves and just pick out whatever they wanted. No, he instead filled that house with himself. He didn't make it a house for all of his products. He made it a home for his presence. He wanted it to be a place where people knew that they could find not just the stuff that he has, but where they could actually find him. Again, it's been a wonderful blessing that people have been able to connect with their church virtually if they're not connecting with their church physically. But do you know who else all of us are able to connect with virtually? Literally just about every other church in the whole entire world. 
And you add to that all of the other religious material that we can, of course, find online, from blog articles to podcast episodes to sermons to music, yes, even memes. We can find all of that religious material online, and and we might be tempted to think that there are lots of good reasons why that would be appealing to us. But among them is that it may well subtly reinforce this idea that the virtual world is sort of one big online spiritual store and that we as human beings are fully capable of walking into that store, able to assess exactly what we need and all we need to do is find it. In other words, it puts us in a very powerful and therefore desirable position. It makes us customers. And as the saying goes, the customer is always right. But of course, when it comes to our relationship with God, we aren't exactly customers. No, much more, we are patients. We need God the way sick people need a doctor, not just to provide us with a cure, but to give us the diagnosis in the first place. In fact, over the course of the past year, I've actually had two very different experiences with the medical community. On the one hand, back in the spring, I suddenly realized that I was out of contact lenses. I also realized that my prescription for contact lenses had expired, which meant that I couldn't just go online and order more. Now, in that case, I knew full well that I could still see just fine with my current prescription. And so the idea of having to make an appointment and go in and see a doctor only to have that doctor tell me something that I already know seemed like one big hassle. And so I was thrilled to find out that because of the pandemic, there was this nice, quick, virtual eye test that I could do online, renew my prescription, and order more contact lenses. On the other hand, within the past couple of years, I've been diagnosed with some very minor, very early, and potential signs of glaucoma. So for the past several years, once a year, I've had to go in for a much more thorough and much more unpleasant eye test. Now, in this case, I have no idea what those markers have done in the past year. I have no idea whether they're the same or whether they've gotten worse. And so in that case, I was thrilled to be able to go in and talk to a real doctor in person. We would love to be able to think that we are capable of assessing our own spiritual needs that all we need to do is walk into God's spiritual store, pick out the size and the color and the quantity of the things that we need, and then proceed to check out. We need much more than that from God. We need a stable relationship with a single spiritual community because we need a place, not where we can set the agenda, not even where I can set the agenda for you, but where God sets the agenda. We need God to provide us not just with the cure, but also the spiritual diagnosis. We need not simply God's products, we need his ongoing presence. Which is why God always has had and always will have a physical address. During the course of this past year, with everything else that's been closed down, my family has certainly been thankful for the number of things we've been able to watch from the comfort of our own homes. 
And of course, this is nothing new with 2020 or because of the pandemic. More and more entire seasons of TV shows are released online all at once rather than one episode a week on Thursday night at 8, 7 central. More and more movies are released, not in a theater near you, but through a streaming service near you. More and more, much of what we watch, we watch on demand, on our own terms and on our own time. Compare that for a minute with something that a lot of people, at least in our state, are going to be tuning in to watch this evening. Kickoff is at 7.20. You can't watch the game any sooner than that. And of course, you can watch it a little bit later than that through the magic of DVR, but I still think that most of the people who do DVR a game occasionally watch it within a couple of hours, maybe a day or two at the most from when the game actually happened. In other words, when an event is taking place, when something in real life is actually happening, people still tune in together. We still experience those things together at the same time, which is why if you went to Miller's or Quick Trip here in town at about 7.30 this evening, both of them would be surprisingly quiet. It's also why what you heard happened in Luke chapter 2 happened. The time had finally come for God's house of wood and stone to become a house of flesh and bone. The Son of God became the Son of Man. He took on human flesh. Why? Because there was action that needed to take place. There was work that needed to be done. We needed Jesus to live and to die and to rise in our place. We needed Jesus to accomplish our salvation, not just give us a bunch of good ideas or information or messages about our salvation. Which is why everyone else in that story was doing what they were doing. You heard what Luke said. Simeon was waiting. And the people that Anna talked to after she had seen the Savior, they too were waiting. They couldn't just set their DVRs and go off and do something else instead. They couldn't just stream this information whenever they wanted. No, they needed, like we all need, Jesus to act for us, not just upload something for us. Which means that Jesus was the one, God was the one who, get, who got to set the time and set the terms for when and how and where that would happen. And all anyone else could do was wait for God to act. Long before anyone had ever heard of this thing called the coronavirus you could hear people suggest that the days when Christians would get together in the same place and at the same time would eventually be a thing of the past. That eventually Christians would get their church the same way that they get their Netflix, online, on their own terms and at their own time. And again, there might be all kinds of reasons why that sounds pretty appealing to us. Once again, it puts us in the driver's seat it puts us in control. In fact, just the other day, I was watching a YouTube video that was all about how I could connect this little digital camera that we have to my phone so that I could control it and we could watch our new puppy 
in the middle of the night and when we're not at home. Sounds like fun, doesn't it? Well, this video that I watched had actually been on YouTube since 2018. In other words, I didn't have to wait for it. It was just sitting there waiting for me. When did it finally get watched? When I said so. And as much as we might like things with God to work exactly the same way, if what we need from God is actually for him to act instead of just sharing or making available to us the information that we need, then God is the one who will get to set the terms and set the times for that to happen. When we hear God's word read, when we hear a sermon about God's word, it is more than just information sharing that is going on. God is acting. God is doing something in our hearts and in our lives through that word. And not only does God work through a word that is spoken and heard, God also wants to act through a word that is seen and touched and tasted. God makes one of our primary points of contact with him a meal. And when it comes to a meal, it is the host, not the guests, who get to set the time and the terms. If the food isn't ready, the guests have to wait. When the food is served, the guests sit down. We need much more from God than for him to make a bunch of information about salvation available to us. We need him still, as much as he did when he walked the earth, we need him to act for our salvation. We need him to act for us, not just upload something for us. Just like Simeon, just like Anna, God still wants us not just to hear about his salvation, but to see and taste and even touch it. Which is why God has always had and will always have a physical address. Out of all the areas of our life where the debate between doing things virtually and doing things in person has been the most contentious, perhaps right at the top of the list, is school. Would you agree? And yet out of all the ways in which this debate between virtual or in-person school has been interesting to me as I've thought about virtual or in-person church, there's one reason in particular that stands out. You see, it seems, or it at least has become obvious, that whether parents are absolutely adamant about in-person learning or whether they are absolutely adamant about virtual learning, all of them are willing to allow their children to have a teacher who is not the absolute best teacher that their child could possibly have. Think about it. Once that virtual door has been cracked open, why in the world are we limited to the teachers who just happen to be in our area or in our district at a particular time? Why couldn't we just scour the globe to find the very best in the business, the very best in the world, maybe even at teaching each individual subject, and the entire world full of students could just tune in and watch the same teacher teach. There's no reason parents couldn't do that, and yet just about all of them willingly don't. Now, I can say that, confident that I'm not insulting any teachers out there, in part because I would be the first to admit that the same is true of me. 
every single person who comes to in-person church here at Good News and every single person who watches virtual church here at Good News is settling for a quality of preaching that is not the absolute best that they could possibly find in the whole wide world. I feel safe in saying that that's true. And at the risk of offending even more people today, I can say that that is also true of our vocalists, of our instrumentalists, and our Sunday school teachers. Certainly, there are people out there who are better at what they do than the people who happen to be in this room. And yet, whether that is true of school or whether that is true of church, it says something very important. It says that it's not just what we receive that matters. Who we receive it from is also very important. And that's why you heard the Apostle Paul say what he said in that lesson from Colossians 3. Paul says, let the word of Christ, let the message of Christ dwell in you richly. In other words, the Bible tells us that God's house is no longer made of wood and stone. And God's house is no longer just made of flesh and bone. Though make no mistake, Jesus still has both. But now God's house is also made of you and me. We are God's house. We are his temple. He dwells among us and even within us through his word. But notice what Paul says next. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another and as you sing with gratitude in your hearts to God. In other words, the job of speaking and singing the words of Jesus through which he dwells physically in our hearts is not just reserved for someone else. It's not just to be carried out by some professional class of experts. It's to be carried out by you. It's to be carried out by each and every one of you. God wants his words to be on your lips. What we receive isn't the only thing that matters. Who we receive it from is also very important. But why? In the case of school, I think we could probably think about all kinds of reasons why it's important for, for students to have a, a teacher that they actually have some sort of connection with, even though even if that's a virtual connection. But what about church? We wouldn't have to settle, you know. Instead of me going through all of the work each and every week of preparing a service and a sermon, I could just find a video. I could find some preacher who is widely regarded as being among the best in the world. I could download one of his sermons and we could just play it on our screen. For that matter, rather than having to buy music and distribute music and have our musicians learn that music and practice that music and eventually deliver that music, we could all save ourselves a bunch of time and some money if we just went on YouTube, found a performance recording of that song by professional singers and musicians and just play it on our screen. Why don't we do those things? What is God trying to accomplish? By saying, the word that I want spoken and the word that I want sung, I want spoken and sung by you. God is showing us that he can do as much with our weaknesses as we might think he could possibly do with our strengths. This has always been his way. 
He chose the least likely candidate in the world, maybe, to be the mother of Jesus when he chose Mary. He chose to send his son into the world in the least likely of ways, perhaps, by sending him as a baby and by making his first bed a manger. This has always been God's way. He set the pattern from day one and he has not deviated from it since. God puts his words, yes, on my lips and on our musicians' lips, but also on your lips as well. Because he wants to show that he is fully capable of doing as much with our weaknesses as he can do with anyone's strengths. If God's house and the success of that house was dependent on the skill level of the people involved or the purity of their motivation or the sincerity of their effort, that house would have, been crum- that house would have crumbled to the ground long, long ago. In fact, if the success of God's church depended on the skill level and the expertise of the people doing the work, then really, the entire Christian church in all the world would need exactly one pastor that we all tuned in to listen to, exactly one soloist, exactly one choir and one choir director, one organist, one keyboardist, one guitarist, one Sunday school teacher. But God wants to send a different message. He wants us to know that he is fully capable of doing as much with weakness as we would ever think he could do with strength. He wants to send the message that his church is a place, not just for the polished professionals, but for everyone. He wants all to participate. He wants to make it clear that the operating principle in his church, in his house, is the one that takes the pecking order that the world loves to set up and just turns it completely upside down. He wants to make it clear that that operating principle is his grace. Which is why God's house has always had and will always have a physical address.